0: I'm Carrie. And I'm Chrissy. And And we we are are Status Macabre.
1: Recorded live from the Maddie Johnson Podcast Studio at GOT Sound Studio in Columbia, South Carolina. This is Status Macabre.
0: Doesn't it feel like forever since we've been here? Yeah, it has does. It been forever.
1: It. I've been so busy with work, mm-hmm. um, and Will and his basketball and taxiing kids every damn well. Oh. oh, he got his permit. So everybody, um, stay off the road. Yeah, stay off the road. My well, kids, I don't
0: know. He, he I probably could. would be. I yeah. would feel safer with him than your first brat. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. So everybody, if you see a. I don't know. Don't, don't share. Yeah, I was going to say, anyway. You know what?
0: There's too many young kids on the road anyway. 15.
1: 15, yeah. I was able. State of South Carolina, you can get a permit at
0: 15 years old. Yep. And when I was 15, I couldn't wait.
1: Me either. And when
0: Charles and Chandler were 15, I had to kick them to go and get, like, they weren't excited at all about it.
1: Same, but he had a deadline and he, he achieved it so oh,
0: good for him yeah little project manager in the making
1: oh no I gave him the deadline. oh <laughs>
0: <laughs> come on I thought what? he was dry Hello. I mean you know like Charles is an old was an old soul and yeah. still is both of them are so I could yeah. see Charles giving himself a deadline I kind of tossed yeah no. William yep in the category of uh, a little bit
1: but yeah I mean he knew it he was ready so be it so yeah everybody stay for the him rim.
0: congratulations William
1: so other than that, yeah, no, it's been a long time since we've been here. I gearing up, just super busy,
0: gearing up for a com- Crime Con.
1: Crime Con, I'm <laughs> so excited.
0: Yeah, so that's gonna be a lot of fun. Well, that's not until April, right?
1: Yeah, April at the it's end like of like April. It's like thirty days away. Yeah, ish. I have to have something to look forward to. <laughs> it's just you know, rinse, repeat, over and over and over and over lately. I do. Although I did start a diet. So folks, I don't know if you guys have looked at like that E2M um, on, uh, so I, I get the feeds on Facebook, but yeah, it's hardcore. I tried it. My husband's doing it. Um, I've I've gained a little bit of uh, muscle mass, mm-hmm. lost a little bit of fat, not a whole lot. Um, it's hardcore. It's all online. It's like, so like that P90X.
0: Yeah, kind of. of. This of one, you,
1: yeah, it's eight week courses. Um, and they're in chunks, so eight weeks, and you get, you pay 40 bucks for each, for the eight weeks, each week, and then you join for, like, a lifetime, so.
0: What do you get for the 80 bucks? No, 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 no.
1: it's more than 80 bucks, dude. It's $40 for eight weeks. What do you get?
0: Each week. Um. For the $40 each week.
1: Um, well, you get a meal plan, you get the exercises, um, you get... Uh, coaching, they have a whole, I mean, it's a slew of stuff. I mean, it's, it's, and it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband is, is steadily lost weight. Oh, and awesome. then the first week he lost like eight pounds. Yeah. Um, I've lost maybe a couple, but I haven't been as strict. I can't go with just eating a piece of chicken and some broccoli twice a day and then fasting for 16 hours. No, I need my condiments. Well, uh, <laughs> right. Right. I have, <laughs> I can have mustard, but I've slowly snuck in some mayonnaise because you know I can't go without mayonnaise.
0: I had that conversation with somebody, and um, they were like, you know, I mentioned all the condiments that I need. Mayonnaise, <laughs> ranch? ketchup, ranch. Mustard. Mustard, whatever. All and, of them. <laughs> and it was like, what the hell is wrong with you? And I said, you know what? I'm <laughs> not the <Don't>, only one. <laughs> don't get it twisted. I am someone who... I have purse mayonnaise. I keep a packet of mayonnaise in my purse. Yeah. Not this one because I swapped this one out, my big one. Yeah. So anyway. Um, yeah. What kind of condiments do you guys like? Are like we crazy? Purse mayonnaise has <laughs> saved my life more than I once. Have I have desk. Just want you to know. I have desk mayonnaise. Oh, yeah. When and I had a desk, I had desk mayonnaise.
1: Desk mayonnaise, desk ranch in the little packet. Mm-hmm. Um, Chick-fil-A oh, sauce? I don't
0: play around with my ranch sauce. so um, I know. You are hardcore. I, it, <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> ranch. I, I have that. ranch sauce in my fridge right now. I always yeah. have ranch and mayonnaise. <laughs> yeah. You know, you've been over before oh, and you're God, like, yeah. all right, get the ranch, get the mayonnaise. And it's the good ranch. It so, is. so there's a difference. But in a pinch, beggars can't be choosers.
1: Yeah, no, I'm sorry. But ranch sauce in the desk works.
0: I mean, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> <laughs> we are
1: psycho. This is.
0: <laughs> We're a little bit crazy. Okay. So So. I, I am, you guys, this is going to be a long one. I think this is going to end up being a three-parter.
1: And it is horrible. It's
0: so terrible. I,
1: the whole time I was like, oh God, this guy is a piece of shit. Piece of work.
0: And, you know, you're getting your listener discretion advised now (sighs) because there's a, there's a lot of things you're not going to want the young ones to hear and, you know, maybe some older ones don't want to hear this stuff either. So incoming. Yeah. Because it it was hard to get, listen to. Yeah or read rather. Read, yeah. Um when I was putting it together, I was I was it took me this one took me weeks. Yeah. Um I think that's fair to say. Well um, you put a lot of research into Oh it. my God. So all right. So today, um and over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna be talking about Robert Burdella who is the Kansas City Butcher. Robert Berdella, born January 31st in 1949, grew up in a fairly normal family. He showed very little to no signs of really what his future would hold. Um, there wasn't anything that you could take a deep dive to from his childhood and go, oh man, yeah, this is what,
1: this is what happened to this guy. This is what this caused guy. his crazy, yeah.
0: For the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, he attended church services regularly, and his father was steadily employed at the Ford Motor Company. For the most part, his childhood was uneventful, with the exception of one noteworthy worthy item. He suffered from poor eyesight, and it was pretty bad from what I understand what I could find. And this caused him to wear really thick glasses. Which didn't help him on the schoolyard because we all know kids are freaking cruel. Um, I can account to that because I was picked on and bullied as a child a great deal. And he was bullied relentlessly. Well, Because he had Coke bottle glasses. Because he had Coke bottle glasses. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I've never, I think you, I, I've never had to have glasses. So I don't know what that's like. But my youngest brother had those Coke bottle glasses. And when I tell you... <laughs> Sorry, I love you. <laughs> but when you when he was little and you looked at him, his eyes looked like bubbles from Trailer Park Boys.
1: Let me tell you, my friends, my dear, dear sweet friend in Boston. She had to, <laughs> she was so excited because she had a cross eye too, like and oh, had really? very thick glasses. And she swore to God, this this eye doctor was like, No, the new style glasses, it doesn't make you look like you've got you know the, the magnifying glasses, right? On your face? Marvin the Martian eyeballs. So we go pick up the glasses. I'm looking over to the side. She puts them on and then turns to look at me. Dude, I about fell out. And my you finger. fell out of yeah. Marvin the Martian eyeballs. It was it was fucking hilarious.
0: I mean, she is, is such see- a great <laughs> friend. You guys, so <laughs> hit her up. Uh, status at Statusmccabe.statusmccabe.com. Oh Chrissy would love to be your friend. God. <laughs> Dude,
1: I will never forget that moment in my life. It was hilarious.
0: <laughs> we appreciate your funny story. Sorry. It's Kim, right? Sorry, Kim. Yes. Yeah. Love you. I mean it. <laughs> Robert, Robert had above average intelligence, which is pretty interesting because if you recall, I think most of these guys that we talk about are pretty smart.
1: I, I feel like they're all smart, and they're just bored. So yeah, they're like, let's kill some right. people.
0: Um, too smart for their own good. He did really well in school. However, teachers found him frustrating and or just plain difficult to teach. He was smart, and and he knew it, and he was overconfident. And his teachers and others, not just his teachers, but other people in his life, took it as being rude or condescending. Because he was just, like, straightforward. Very much so. I'm a... I'm a douche because I know everything. Yeah. It's kind of like engineers. I'm about to piss some engineers off. Like what? I don't know. You don't think I'm an engineer. I know. Hey, tell me I'm wrong.
1: Nope. Tell me I'm wrong. 100% and I love all of you because you're all geeky and you're all sweet, but God dang it. y'all! I know
0: one engineer specifically and you know who he is. Yes. Oh, I know because I'm an engineer. I'm like, Oh shit. My bad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so Does this my title say engineer. <laughs> this behavior carried throughout his entire life. He never grew out of this. He never saw how annoying and frustrating that was, um, and he continued to treat people that way. In 1966, at the age of 16, Robert's father died unexpectedly of a heart attack, and he was his father was only 39. Oh, ouch. very young. Um, and this fundamentally changed him. This changed Robert. And it did not help matters when his mother remarried very quickly after his father's death. It caused him a great deal of anger, and he flat out refused to accept his new stepfather. And so maybe this could potentially have impacted how he later treated people. I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. I was going to say, but, I mean, 16 is a very raw age. You it's know, impressionable. It's, it and who, there wasn't figure. a lot about the man that I could find Mm-hmm. I didn't get the sense that he mistreated him. Um, uh, Robert just didn't listen to him, and he didn't like him, and he didn't like the fact that his mother married so soon after his father had passed. Mm-hmm. While he was in high school, Robert worked part-time as a line cook, and while he was there, he was sexually assaulted by another male employee, and the assault did not involve sodomy. It wasn't just, you know, like, Hey, touching my penis yeah twist tweaking a nipple or whatever like it was a full-on <laughs> <laughs> tweaking a nipple is that considered sexual assault i mean if some dude walks up to you and I'm just and, kidding
1: i was just kidding you were like
0: <laughs> duh huh? i know I, like, you know I, so i had the duh face uh, but not the duh words okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> that happens every day should I'm i so report it? it do i need to like should i call someone is this not the 70s
0: my bad. <laughs> this was during a time when these types of assault uh, these types of assaults again you guys this was in the late 60s early 70s but these type of assaults weren't reported To the police, because people were embarrassed, especially if it was was same-sex crime. (laughs) Right, You know, it was kept hidden from those closest to him, his friends and his family. So there wasn't a lot of people that really even knew that this happened.
1: That's awful, too. Uh, To be a man, and your first sexual encounter is being molested or sodomized by some older, nasty, greasy line cook. Can you imagine? No.
0: Let's don't let's don't imagine that. That's awful. One of Robert's favorite movies was called The Collector. This was originally done in nineteen sixty-five, but it was remastered in two thousand and nine. And I went back and watched the nineteen sixty five. Did you really? Yeah. Just to say, just to kind of see why he I don't he liked it.
1: I don't remember the two thousand and nine. I didn't
0: watch. I wanted to go back and watch the two thousand and nine, you know, but life got in the way. I'm so it's a, a story that. about a man who becomes obsessed with a, a woman who's an art student and he kidnaps her and he takes her prisoner. Um and in the movie he had a long time crush on her, and ultimately she ends up dying. Um, pretty much like uh everybody that Robert <laughs> tries to take. <laughs> um and she, he's convinced that she will eventually fall in love with him. And that was his main goal. He drugged her, he kidnapped her. He actually made a really nice area for for her in his home, like a little, uh, kind of a shed. But it was kind of an it was over in England, right? So they had these okay. an underground kind oh, of room, yeah, like a nook. Area. Yeah, and, and and it was actually really nice, but it was it was just terrible. I, I mean, imagine. I wouldn't want
1: to be there. <laughs> no. but you I was this nice environment, so I could.
0: But you're raping me daily. After what? Well, no, he never. The the man in the movie ne- movie never touched the he woman. He just, like, kept her? Yeah, he just kept her, and he was wanting her to fall in love with him, but he didn't want to impose upon her. That's but I watched up. it, and I could understand how it may set in motion a dark fantasy for Robert. I can see how maybe he was just in love with this movie or in love with the idea, and, you know, this kind of put that, it kind of put it in his head.
1: Well, he can have somebody and they won't leave him. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, we all want love, right? We all want.
1: (laughs) I mean, when it's convenient.
0: I'm kidding. (laughs) Of course, he adds his own twist, you know, the torturing Mm -hmm. and the drawn out deaths of six men who had the misfortune of ever, ever meeting him. Robert is still suffering from the effects of his sexual assault and the death of his father when he enrolls in the Kansas City Art Institute after he graduates high school. While he was there, he begins to have and act out on sick and dark fantasies. And this is gross, you guys. He also begins to experiment on animals, and I hate this part. This includes boiling a duck alive, killing a chicken and a dog, and then he injects both with a variety of sedatives and drugs to gauge their reactions. So he, he injects these animals with different things to... Kind of see how they're going to react, and I mean,
1: I, I'm curious of what's he's inject, what he's injecting. What does he think is going to happen?
0: I don't know. The I dog's
1: going to move, and the duck's going to like bark. I've got no idea. Maybe he should have gone to like science
0: school, <laughs> science <laughs> right. camp. This is why I say, and you won't. You. This isn't <laughs> the first time you've heard me say this. Use your powers for good, people, please.
1: I don't know that that's an actual power. Capturing a duck, maybe.
0: Being smart. <laughs> Like like I'm just saying if you if you're inquisitive like this no, I'm kidding, apply it to something useful get a grant or do something I don't know well, science you know. there you go astronomy
1: astronomy yeah I don't know I mean finding out what a duck does when you puncture it with some Drano might be interesting <laughs> oh,
0: After 2 years at the art institute he was expelled for <laughs> for using a dead dog in an art exhibit <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. Funny, not funny, but I can
1: just see like people are walking around looking at the Mona Lisa and then you see this dog and it's like stuff looking like, you know, Vogue. Who,
0: Vogue. who knows? <laughs> people that knew Robert as a child remembered him as a loner who preferred writing long letters to pen pals in other countries. And he preferred that to spending time with kids his own age. So he preferred to be alone, which I can relate to. I'm not a serial killer, but I, I enjoy being alone. Chrissy's like, okay.
1: I mean, I do know you enjoy being alone. (laughs) What you do when you're alone is a different story. That's fair.
0: (laughs) (laughs) However, as he advances through college, he becomes more outgoing, um, more opinionated, and enjoys, he's really starting to enjoy engaging in lively debates with people that he also considered to be intelligent, which is important. People he considered to be intelligent. He preferred things to be in order, and this showed mild signs of OCD during his early 20s and prided himself on being on time for appointments and meetings. After his expulsion, Robert lands a job as a chef and becomes quite accomplished. So this is actually a skill that he's pretty good at. He engages in a neighborhood watch program. He volunteers with several programs created to help young men and teenagers turn their troubled lives around. Seems like, hey, man. Yeah, he dug
1: himself out of a weird right. thing right now, and now he's, like, blossoming into yeah. a, a productible member of society.
0: Yeah, so he takes his he takes savings that he's put away from the job as a cook after several years, and he buys a home on Charlotte Street in Kansas City. Good for him. Again, being a loner, but occasionally he talks with neighbors, but he rarely socializes with them outside of a quick chat or a wave as he's coming or going. He's open about his homosexuality. He pre- he prefers the company of young teen boys that sold themselves on the street of Kansas City. So he likes prostitutes. He likes male prostitutes. So he's, he's gotten older. He saved up some money. He's bought a house. He's homosexual. And he's okay with people knowing that. Yeah. And he also prefers the company of young. And when I say young, I mean... Young, young. Yeah, impressionable,
1: impressionable age.
0: Impressionable uh, teens and early 20s male prostitutes. Mm-hmm. And and who knows why, but I think I can. I feel like it's related back to
1: his sexual experience as I, a sodomized line cook.
0: I think maybe, but I also think that they can't. Hey, if I'm giving you money, you're going to do what I tell you to do. Because oh, he true. likes the freaky deaky shit. Yeah, that's fair. So he had many sexual encounters during the 70s with many young men, and he often exchanged a room and board for sex and for company. He also opened a small curiosity and antique shop in an old flea market while continuing on with his culinary career. So he had a, it was called Bob's Bazaar Bazaar. <laughs> And he would sell things like, you know, shrunken heads and um, I don't know. Curiosities. Curiosities or knickknacks or weird, weird things that I think even in the 70s would freak people out. Um, And his life, now his lifestyle was sedentary. And this combined with heavy alcohol and drug use began to slow his metabolism. And he ended up putting on a great deal of weight. So he didn't get much exercise He abused drugs and alcohol, and it was around this time that it was actually said that he participated in drug dealing.
1: So he's starting to look like he owns a curiosity shop, is what you're saying. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Because of this, he started to pay for sexual favors, and a sense of resentment began to form. Robert found it more and more difficult to keep his homosexual appetite satisfied and truth be told, he was fighting a growing fantasy that was becoming more and more difficult to control. And it, it started to alarm him. He he was a little bit alarmed at the things that he thought. He knew it wasn't right. right. Okay. So he knew he wasn't normal. Yes. At least. Yes. We think. So in 1982, Robert and a Vietnam veteran had a pretty passionate affair and it ended abruptly, and within a few weeks, Robert started spending time with a young male prostitute. Well, with many young male prostitutes, not just one. <laughs> Let me. He liked variety. He did. He would offer them a place to sleep and live, and it wasn't common for all of the bedrooms in his large house to be occupied with some of these prostitutes. Some stayed because they needed a place to sleep, others because they were actually involved physically with Robert. And he helped many young men to turn their lives around and to try to get them off the streets. So he did kind of have a heart, right? Yeah. And in 1984, this is about two years after his traumatic breakup with the Vietnam vet that he was seeing. Robert began spending more and more time with a 19-year-old male prostitute named Jerry Howell, who he had known since 1975. And this was when Jerry was only 14. So now Jerry is 19, so it's been about five years. Okay. The two would talk a lot and uh, begin to spend more and more time together. And this really pissed off Jerry's dad, who openly threatened both his son and Robert. Jerry's father had heard things on the street about Robert, how he treated young men, and it completely disgusted him. Robert's own urges were starting to grow and he found himself masturbating to the thoughts of bondage and fantasies of causing pain to not just Jerry but other young men. Mm -hmm. Robert wondered if there was something wrong with him and why he fantasized about torture. The thought of having his own private sex toy held as a prisoner turned him on. Mm -hmm. One July (laughs) yeah (laughs) you guys it's i didn't we know what go. to say there strap in let's just
1: yeah dive right in. one
0: july evening robert's fantasy became reality and his sick obsession with rape and torture was unbearable he could not control it any longer early in their relationship robert helped pay a legal bill for jerry jerry continued to make excuses as to why he couldn't pay the money back this became a focus point for robert and it started to piss him off. It started to really annoy him.
1: Well, and yeah, he wants his damn money back. Right? <laughs> and
0: and every day he became more and more resentful and angry about it. On the evening of July 4th in 1984, Robert picked up Jerry and drove back to his house. They spent a few hours partying. They drank a lot of beer. They smoked some weed. And they shot up a variety of drugs, including cocaine. You so, can shoot
1: up cocaine?
0: Yes. Oh, wow. I, I don't know anything about it, but I I do know you can. Um, Yikes! But point being, they both had a shit ton of alcohol and drugs in their system. Right. And my guess is is Robert probably wasn't doing as much as he was letting on. Oh yeah, like, he
1: was probably passing it. Going here, you do some more. Yep, I got it.
0: And it had been oh. s- and it had been several months since they had been. Together, mm-hmm. although Robert tried several times to get Jerry to sleep with him, each time Jerry would back out or refuse to go through with it. But so I thought he really he was wasn't a, down.
1: But I thought he was a prostitute.
0: Well, I don't. Jerry Maybe he was, was a, a picky p- prostitute. Maybe he was a picky prostitute. But um I don't. You know. Well, he just didn't want to sleep with uh, Robert. S- he <laughs> didn't want to sleep with Fat Bob. <laughs>
1: I was going to say
0: a bizarre, bizarre Bob. Bizarre, bizarre Bob. <laughs> This pissed Robert off because he felt that Jerry owed him for all that he had done for him. No good deed goes unpunished, people. Please remember that. But again, Jerry kept turning him down, and this time Robert decided that he was going to drug him and he was going to take what he wanted. So much so that Jerry was unable to stop Robert or preventing him from having anal sex with him. Robert filled a syringe with a large enough dose of tranquilizers to knock Jerry out cold actually he was completely unconscious he shot the you know he he injected him with it he pulled off Jerry's clothes he tied his hands behind his back and this was the first time Robert like I said earlier would allow this violent sick sadistic fantasy to have complete control Um, injected Jerry in the butt cheeks with another heavy dosage of the drugs. I'm surprised that these large doses didn't kill any of these men. Right. Um, And he did this to make sure that Jerry would stay unconscious. He raped him repeatedly until he was unable to orgasm. Then he followed the assault with a cucumber and a carrot to the point where Jerry's anus was bleeding profusely.
1: I... I, well, I have multiple questions here just from a logistical standpoint. Let's see if I can answer them.
0: I'll try. Go ahead.
1: How does the carrot not break off? Uh, well, I, I mean, I've seen some <laughs> big carrots. So Same thing. I mean, the, comu- or the computer, the cu- cucumber you'd think would be like machine. So like, here's what I will
0: unless say. Unless you about have like
1: an English cucumber, it's a little bit more harder. and Here's what I will say about
0: that. Like I... uh getting graphic you know i you know he probably just really lubed him up and just crammed it right (laughs) in cram it in
1: Ah, can you imagine
0: no and i can't i can't also too so i want to you know he he raped jerry until he couldn't have an orgasm orgasm. i mean how many like (sighs) and how i
1: i mean how how does it not fall off how do you not have like some chafing going on
0: Lube, that's the only thing I know. I don't, I don't know. Masses amount. I got nothing. Masses. With every assault, he took a photo to capture the moment. Because he truly did like to relive these moments. Through the entire day, through an entire day. and so let's just say at a minimum of eight hours. But let's say 12, 10 to 12, right? Mm-hmm. Jerry remained drugged. He remained subdued. And he t- he was tied to a bed. And into the evening, he was given more drugs to keep him in a semi-state of consciousness. This is what I would call twilight anesthesia. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> twilight anesthesia. Right? But he's been given enough shit, so he couldn't he couldn't fight back. Yeah, he was and just... And he likely yeah. didn't really know what the hell was going on.
1: I hope he didn't.
0: I, I For do For his too. sake,
1: I hope the hell he had no idea what the hell was going on. Because you think about it, his ass is on fire. Oh, yeah. His ass is on serious fire. Yeah.
0: He remained um, incapacitated and unconscious, semi-unconscious, throughout the day and into the next day. On July 5th, Robert went to his shop and opened it as normal. This is that knick-knack shop that we were talking about Bizarre, bizarre. Bizarre, bizarre. He showed absolutely no signs to his coworkers that would indicate anything was out of the normal in his life or that he had just drugged a young man and sodomized him until he was bleeding.
1: Right, I have a guy with a carrot stick up his ass yeah. in my
0: bed. And by the way, he's tied up in his bed. Yeah. Not yeah. nothing
1: like that. <laughs> Nothing's going on.
0: <laughs> he was, however, completely exhausted sexually and still feeling the effects of some of the drugs that he had taken. Well, duh. After only 5 hours, he did felt he felt energized again and he was ready for round 2 or let me say another session i don't know if this is round 2 he closed up early and went home excited at the thought of being able to sodomize Jerry as many times as he wanted to so
1: it's 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 i mean usually we can sit here and say all right this is for power and this is for this is for you know the sense of control over people yada yada right he really likes sex he in does. my opinion it i feel like he really likes I mean, he likes all three of them. I think he likes it
0: all. He likes yeah. control. He likes being able to satisfy his urges. Uh, he he wants, and we'll get into a little bit of that a little later, but he wants somebody. Ultimately, what he wants is somebody that he can keep captive forever. Oh, yeah, yeah. That will be a, a sex slave. slave right. Um, that he can actually kind of let, have a little bit of freedom, but mm-hmm. knows that he can trust them enough. Right, not to go anywhere. Right, or to ride him out. I just
1: don't know how much energy I would be able to give to have sex all day, all day, and all day. Yeah. That That is, without my shit falling
0: off. Yeah. I'm just saying. It's
1: (laughs) going to turn purple, blue, it's numb after so many hours. I mean, he's
0: probably in his, his what, his mid to late 20s? I don't care. Some guys are, some guys are different. Okay, once he got home, Jerry was given more tranquilizers and Robert repeatedly raped him. Each time documenting in his journal the position and the time, he got angry and more aggressive as he walked across the room, picked up a metal rod, and beat Jerry on the back several times for literally no reason. And uh, I mean no reason at all.
1: I know. I mean he's sodomizing this guy, having the time of his life, and then he's like, oh screw it, I'm just mad. I'm gonna beat the shit out of him. Yep. Poor all of Jerry. the
0: Yeah. All of the rejection. All the times these young men had taken advantage of him were all boiling over. And at 10 p.m. on the evening of July 5th, Jerry dies from asphyxiation. So, yeah, I keep going. Sorry. Robert is shocked, and he's beside himself. He wasn't sure if it was the beating or the drugs that he'd been giving him, but he was sure that Jerry was dead. And suddenly, Robert realized he was not only a rapist, but he was a murderer.
1: So it wasn't like he was smothering him. I think it was just all of the
0: drugs. It had to have been. Well, and here's the thing, too. We don't know for sure exactly what happened because Jerry's body was never found. Oh, poor Jerry. So, um, yeah. Thinking about it, Jerry was one of the lucky ones. His torture and pain lasted only 24 hours. And I couldn't imagine, and I'm not trying to belittle that, Mm -hmm. uh, but I couldn't imagine what what he went through. But you'll see that... The later guys are going to last a little longer. Yeah, uh, 24 hours of pure hell, though. And the rest of the victims, they, they just wouldn't be so lucky. Now, with any murder, there is the pesky body to contend with. Robert mulled over how to dispose of Jerry's body. He drags him downstairs into the basement, and it's here Robert earned his nickname, the Kansas City Butcher, which, by the way, he's not a fan of. (laughs) he suspended Jerry's body from two ropes tied around his feet, strung him up on pulleys and mounting him to the ceiling. So he kind of spread eagle like you would a deer, right, Mm -hmm. that you were going to clean. Sure. Um, He raised his, his body upside down, made slices into his jugular and the arteries in his arms, and he drained all the blood out of Jerry's body into a pot that he had placed under him. Robert felt a rush of excitement, and he broke out a Polaroid camera and continued to take a ton of pictures. And it wasn't uncommon for him to take two to 300 pictures per person. So I don't mean a couple of pictures. I mean, he took a ton of pictures, all while fondling himself. So Jerry is strung up by his feet, slits in his neck and arteries, and draining into a pot. And Robert's Blacking fondling off. himself and taking pictures of him. It's just, it's disgusting.
1: It, but this guy is truly, truly demented.
0: Yeah. The side of Jerry's naked body excited him. Next, he used one of his chef knives to dismember the body. When he reached an area or the blade began to get dull, Robert used a gas-powered chainsaw to finish dismembering Jerry. When he was done, he wrapped the body parts. And anything that could be used against him, As evidence, with the exception of his pictures that he took from the Polaroid camera and his diary, he wrapped everything else in paper and then put everything into trash bags. Then he put Jerry in the bin or the trash bin, right, Mm -hmm. and uh, pulled it to the curb, and he was collected with the trash on Monday.
1: It's interesting that he's got a journal. It's it's like, is that where the Kama Sutra came from? Like, what is he documenting?
0: Everything. And we'll go into a little more detail as each. Because what happens is he's, you know, clearly this is his first victim. Right. So he's, he's just, just starting this journal. So uh, it gets more detailed per victim, which is unfortunate that people have to go through this. But well, yeah, I mean, I just... Uh, When the excitement of Jerry's murder wore off, Robert would make notes of what he could remember and match them to the pictures that he had, and he would repeatedly masturbate to him.
1: It's Like the match game.
0: Yeah, and he did this for 10 months, right? So these pictures and what he had in his diary... Kind of satisfied him, but so ten, mo- 10 months goes by and Robert begins to crave the rush of control again. For 10 months, he lived in fear that the police would find out he killed Jerry. He worried someone would find the body parts, which uh, I couldn't do this because I would... Oh my God, the anxiety of being caught. Me. Thank you. It would, it would make me crazy. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to deal with that.
0: The only real problem was Jerry's father. He heard Robert and Jerry were intimate and that they were spending a lot of time together at Robert's house. Robert began to feel trouble over the whole thing. Part of him was disgusted with himself. However, at the same time, he missed all of the excitement of controlling and torturing the young man. But the fear of being caught caused it <clears throat> caused him to enjoy it less. He even made a promise to himself that he would never kill again and he could not stand the thought of ending up in prison for the rest of his life. So he was kind of seesawing back and forth of, wow, this was awesome and this was great, but oh man, it kind of sucks and I don't want to get caught because I'm not going to do so good in jail kind of thing. He hid the pictures and the diary in a little hole that he cut into his floor and he hid it well enough that he was certain no one would find them. As the weather starts to get warmer, Robert begins to feel that he's in the clear and that no one really cared about Jerry's disappearance. And this included the police. He was a gay sex worker. He was a male prostitute in the 80s. And many times a day, he would look through his pictures and masturbate to the memory of what he did to Jerry. And remember, those pictures weren't just of of him sodomizing him. There were the cucumbers, there were the carrots, and there was the draining of all the blood. In the spring of 1985, Robert contemplated picking up another young male sex worker and decided to invite Robert Sheldon to a party with him and, you know, ask him, asked him to stay for a few days. Now, since both of these guys are named Robert, I'm going to call this victim, who is victim number two, Sheldon. Um, not to be confused with Sheldon from Big Bang. I was going to say Big Bang. And, uh, you know, they knew each other. Mm-hmm. Robert Sheldon stayed with him in the past, and they actually had known each other probably for a few years, several years. One night, they partied pretty hard. And Robert teetered back and forth between whether or not he should drug and torture Sheldon. He filled the syringe and he injected Sheldon several times. He was clearly intoxicated because they were partying and he had injected him, um, but he was awake. However, Robert decided really at the last moment that Sheldon wasn't the right person. And he decided to go to bed. He decided to completely ditch the idea. Even though Robert hadn't known Sheldon for several years and the two had partied many, many times before and they had had sex before, he just didn't, he wasn't overly attracted to the guy. Okay. So he's only targeting people
1: at this point that he's like very attracted to. We'll
0: see. Maybe. Okay. I mean, it's hard to say with this guy. Over the past six months, Sheldon would show up drunk at Robert's home and it was really getting on Robert's last nerve. The next morning, Robert found Sheldon sick on the bathroom floor, completely sick, complaining about stiffness in his joints. And, of course, Robert was concerned because he did actually inject him. I was
1: going to say he injected him with some shit. So. Right.
0: So he, he throws him in the car and he takes him to the University of Kansas Medical Center. They give him a prescription for penicillin and they send him home. Now, I'm simplifying all of this, right? But they go to the emergency room. That night they started partying again, right? Like mm-hmm. that's what I'm going to do. Um no. <laughs> this time Robert Robert couldn't control himself. So this is where I was like, we'll see.
1: He partied a little too hard.
0: He decided that, you know what? I'm going to keep Sheldon. I'm going to give him a heavy dose of tranquilizers and he did. He gave him some tranquilizers, and he gave him some crushed volume. After he passed out, he stripped him, he tied his legs together, and he carried him up to a bedroom on the third floor of his house. At around 11 p.m., Robert started sodomizing Sheldon, and he made a note of, and I quote, BF-1115, end quote, which stood for butt-fucked him at 1115. For the next several hours, he sodomized him repeatedly with the a variety of objects, a carrot and a cucumber, which were his go-tos. I think he loves those. Then he raped him over and over and over and until he was unable to orgasm anymore. He was fueled by a sexual rage and wanted to see what would happen if he put liquid Drano into Sheldon's eyes. The idea was if he could permanently blind him, it would make him a better long-term prisoner slash plaything.
1: Well, yeah, the guy can't go anywhere.
0: Yep. While he was experimenting, he used a syringe full of Drano, and he put it into his left ear, causing Sheldon to scream out.
1: God, yeah, can you imagine? Mm -hmm. Shit's got to
0: hurt. Then he made his little note, quote, D-C-L-E, end quote, which stood for drain cleaner in left ear. Um, Sheldon's screams really only excited Robert a little bit more. Of course. His desire, his desire to compare, I'm sorry, his desire to cause pain on Sheldon really escalated. He used pliers and hammers. He crushed the bones in Sheldon's hands while stroking his erect penis. He knew there was a risk um, of being discovered, so he reluctantly gave Sheldon more tranquilizers, which is good for Sheldon, but Robert really does enjoy Hearing his victims cry out, I was going to say pain. he
1: likes the holy shit. Save me, please. Yeah.
0: For four days, he repeat four days he repeatedly rapes and sodomizes Sheldon. He beats him unmercifully with a steel pipe. He injects him with drugs and other household chemicals. He's doing his own weird experiments. Mm-hmm. He gags him with a piano a piano wire. And he it completely ignores Sheldon's pleas, and he continues to rape him and continues to torture him to torture him. At one point, Robert decided to tattoo Sheldon with a scalding hot coat hanger and burn the word "hot" on his left shoulder. Why? We just we will never know what what, what was going on in Robert's head when he decided to do that. He used silicon uh, silicon window caulk to fill his ears in hopes that he would no longer be able to hear. But the next day, the caulking hardened and just fell out.
1: (laughs) Clearly, he doesn't understand how caulking works.
0: Right. He was fascinated with needles and injected Sheldon with any substance he could think of. He started experimenting on Sheldon with what he called a form of, quote, bizarre acupuncture, end quote, and included jabbing all over his body to include his testicles, under his fingernails just to see how he would react despite the heavy sedatives that he was under. He still was reacting. um, But this is intense pain that he's being put through. Robert became more and more creative with his methods of torture because the more pain he caused, the more aroused he became. And he was beginning to feel a sense of control. Yeah. When he had his victim completely at his mercy... He was the most satisfied. All because of control. Mm -hmm. Just like with Jerry, he took hundreds of Polaroid pictures. This time, he made even more detailed notes on each form of torture that he performed, and he documented uh, the drugs as well, the different types of drugs that he used, the Drano cleaner, Mm -hmm. um, whatever he was using to caulk his ears with. And he discovered he preferred to let most of the side effects of the tranquilizers wear off so that he could feel confident his victim could truly embrace himself being violated.
1: Oh, like just let it happen. Let it happen. Like, is that what he's just wanting them to feel all the pain. He
0: was getting off on their reaction. Yeah. Okay. of Of what they were feeling later that evening, Sheldon demanded that Robert let him go. His response, he hit him on the back of the head with a rubber mallet, just hard enough to cause a significant amount of pain, but not, hard enough to knock him unconscious. Unfortunately for Sheldon, he was also the first to try Robert's new 7,000 volt electrical transformer. Oh my God. Yeah. Without going down a rabbit hole, 7,000 volts, and this depends on the amount of amps behind it, you guys, because I I did do a little bit of research, but again, not going down a rabbit hole, 7,000 volts can destroy an arm or a leg, or it could potentially completely kill you. It could unalive you. I, um, I
1: mean, that's worse than sticking a fork in a fucking light socket, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Like an electric socket. Yeah.
0: And, and it may not every time. It may not have these reactions every single time. Sure. But it is extremely painful. I can not um, imagine. And so just to kind of give you an idea of what he was dealing with. Robert uses alligator clips and attaches them to Sheldon's nipples and turns the current on for a few seconds. Sheldon's body goes stiff and he jumps off the bed with every jolt of electricity. Robert uses hypodermic needles. He pierces them through Sheldon's skin all over. Then he connects the clips to the needles and electrocutes Sheldon over and over. And guess what? Mm. He's not worried about them falling off um, when he jolts because he uses he's using needles as a conductor. Right. Yeah. So and they're through his skin. Skin, um, which. I, I I, just can't it's imagine. It's like
1: he's a human voodoo doll. That's horrible. Oh, it is
0: terrible. In his diary, Robert notes that the piano wire he used to tie Sheldon to the bed with was causing nerve damage to his hands, which I'm thinking, oh, man, that's terrible. Uh, Robert was happy with this. It would make him less able to try to untie himself mm-hmm. and uh, less likely to try and escape. Through all of this, he snaps, again, several hundred Polaroid pictures. And the Polaroid, you guys, is the one that used to click it and it would pop right out. I got one. Right on the. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, nice. My
1: daughter got me one for Christmas.
0: That's cool.
1: (laughs) It's so reminiscent of the 80s.
0: (laughs) During one electrocution session lasting almost five minutes, Robert took 17 pictures. Oh, let me just go back. Electrocution session that lasted five minutes.
1: I I can't imagine it lasting 10 seconds, much less five minutes.
0: So, as he's electrocuting him, is he he's not snapping, dead? well, yeah. Um, he's snapping these pictures. He's taking notes. It was April 15th when Robert had made a snap decision to suffocate Sheldon because when he got home, a handyman that he hired several months earlier finally decided to show up to trim some trees around the house. He thought about giving him more drugs to sedate him, but he thought that was just going to be too big of a risk. So, he decided to give him fast and quietly. He watched with curiosity and a little pleasure and a little bit of regret as the life slipped from Sheldon's body. Sheldon's eyes bulged and his chest heaved despite all the sedatives still in, still in his body. Within a few minutes, it was over. Robert had murdered his second, second victim, and what he did, he just strangled him.
1: I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm so happy for Sheldon at this point because he has been through oh, a living yeah. hell.
0: And it, and it gets worse from here. Um, Robert dismembers Sheldon. Uh, this time he used the bath and bled him out there before cutting him into pieces and putting him in the trash he used a variety of knives, two skill saws, and his chainsaw to cut off his head.
1: How does that not stink? You know, you would think when With you the put the amount him, of
0: blood that's there, yes, I'm the sure. coppery
1: smell of I'm sure blood it does. and and just rotting flesh at that point yeah. when you put him in the trash.
0: Right. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it. I'm sure it does. But they were never in the trash so long mm-hmm. that uh, somebody could tell somebody that could it was s- now the blood. You know, that would be different, but Robert would be the only one smelling that. True. Um, he decided to keep a trophy and instead of disposing of Sheldon's head, he buried it in the backyard. He was feeling very powerful and again, no sign that he was going to get caught. Um, and he didn't feel the same shame and regret after he had that when, you know, when he killed Jerry.
1: Right, he was used to it at this point. And he was like, "Well, this is just what I'm gonna do."
0: He was used to it. So, you guys, we have talked about two of Robert's victims, and we are going to have to end episode one of Robert Berdilla today.
1: I'm gonna say, you know, usually I'm I'm like, "Oh man," but I need a I need, I need a, a break. You break. Yeah, I need a palate cleanser. <laughs> yeah. at this agreed. point,
0: agreed. So, thanks you guys for listening. Um, episode two will, will be next out week. next week.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Y'all have a fantastic week. Definitely. And, uh, I guess it's too late, but happy St. Patty's Day. Yeah.
0: And don't, don't go to, don't, don't go to anybody's house and party and taking drugs and alcohol and all that stuff. Just stay home and stay safe. Do what I do.
1: Um, don't, go don't, don't go anywhere. Yeah. Good advice from Carrie there. Who, the hermit. <laughs>
0: All right, guys, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: This episode of Status Macabre is recorded live from the Maddie Johnson Podcast Studio at GOT Sound Studio in Columbia, South Carolina. This episode is produced and engineered by Nick the Geek, owner and operator of GOT Sound Studio. To support the show, Please
0: visit statusmacab.com for links to social media, merchandise, and more. Special thanks to Muff the Producer, Neek the Geek, Barrett Gruber, and you, our listeners. Please subscribe, rate,
1: review, and share. Thank you for listening.